Welcome to the Race Car Junkies podcast with your host, Peter Jones. Join us every Wednesday as we dive into all things road racing, building, and beyond. And now, here's your host, Peter Jones. Hello and welcome to another episode of Race Car Junkies. I'm your host, Peter Jones. Today I've got a familiar voice and a familiar friend to a lot of the listeners. I've got Peter Hopelane with me. Peter, how are you today? Good, Peter. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Just getting back from Willow Springs and the, the typical road racing deal is a little warm down there already, but... Uh, Surface of the moon. The, the next stop is Button Willow in June, which will be much warmer. So I guess we'll, we'll appreciate the weather we have. Yeah, Button Willow has uh, got times of the year that just make it unbearable better than willow springs happens to be one of them willow for me willow springs was always one of those tracks that just left me thirsty no matter how much i drank i just felt completely like all the moisture just sucked out of my body yeah i plan on peeing tomorrow (laughs) uh, i got back got back on sunday so i think if i can manage a a good stop to the restroom by tuesday i'm doing yeah 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 so uh, for those of the, you who do not know Peter, Peter's the founder of Technic Competition, big road racing enthusiast, a super fan of endurance road racing, winner of the E2 class of the 25 Hours of Thunder Hill put on by NASA. It took a little bit of a hiatus for motorsports to deal with a back injury and is back, sat in one of my cars for a few hours the other day, but now just recently took a stab at a new form of motorsport, or at least new to Peter, and that is off-road racing. So that's what I was hoping we could chat about today. Peter, tell us a little bit about your excursion out into the desert. Sort of intro is pretty good. I took some time off, had back surgery. It was the second one, so it was a little more intense to recover from. And in the time that I was away from it, I realized that I had maybe done all I could do or wanted to do. I sort of lived what I had envisioned in my road racing life. You know, I got a seven-year-old, and so I was going through this thing of like, what time commitments could I commit to? So through the process of that, my son, who's seven, and uh, he really likes off-road, and my one of my crew chiefs on the on te- at Technic Competition sits on the board, is an off-road guy. He's my stepbrother. I said to him, I said, why don't we go and just try maybe like a side-by-side or whatever. Just go try and play around the dirt. And he goes, I love this idea. So, you know, the back started feeling better. And then I um, started taking lessons from my road racing days. And I remember when I got into the cup car after racing all forms of different sports cars and it was just like a whole other animal and so I thought well I'm going to try something on off-road it's a little dangerous it gets kind of bouncy I might as well start at the top and so I went and I rented some trophy trucks I don't know how to explain this but if anyone knows who I am you know pretty hard to leave me speechless and I have to have a measuring stick whether it's egregious or not i just have to have something to measure against because i don't want to walk away going well i think i did well but i don't actually know what is what when we went out there i thought about everything i've ever raced i've always been with a good solid i mean a solid 8 a.m start day of testing i can typically get any car within 80 percent of race pace consistently like i'm doing laps at 80 percent of race pace and i feel like that feels a little arrogant but it's sort of like oh look at that okay so when I got out there, I was like, well, I'll just see if I can get to race pace. And the way it works is it's a ride and drive. You get a coach and they orientate you to this animal. Um, my driver was Ryan Millen, Reese's brother. And 
and he was just like a perfect fit for me. And so we climb in and, you know, we're kind of getting oriented to the car or buggy or truck or whatever this thing is and um, terrorist. And uh, it's a 20 mile lap and you head out across this, like, it's kind of, let's call it a lake bed. It's dry, hard. And then you shoot up kind of like mid around the back of a mountain, but you kind of drive up to the mid section of the mountain. And then you drive along this like Canyon in the back. It's BLM land, so through the camping area, you're like 30 miles an hour. And then it's a spec trophy truck to give you, let's just give everyone some context. It's a spec trophy truck. It's 550 horsepower. I'll get into its capabilities in a second. It's not the 1100 horsepower nightmare that that I could only imagine of. He hits the gas and it was like, whoa. And then you just start going across this lake bed and you're like, wow, this is pretty crazy. He's going maybe, uh, I don't know, 75 five miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, just to kind of warm me up. And I remember being like, oh boy. And as you head up over into this mountain, it's these huge, I'm talking like six foot, 10 foot mounds. And there's this huge turn kind of where the road ends. Cause if you're, imagine you're climbing up and then at the, the peak of your climb, it levels off and you turn to the left and it's like a huge NASCAR embankment. And he didn't slow down. He just drove right through these huge four to six, ten foot berms. And then on the other side, and I'm not lying when I tell you this, there had to have been seven foot whoops on the back. And I was like, oh my God. And one of the things they tell you when they're sort of orientating you to them is that if you hit the nose too hard, it just darts into the ground and that's it. Like you stop and the back end goes around you and that's, that's it. And that destroys the truck. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh my God. And as he drives up this road and he's going, still going about 70 miles an hour, maybe 60, he heads to this next section that I couldn't see over the berm. Like I didn't know what was on the other side of it. And we just, he's like, okay, we're going to go up this and we're going to climb this hill. And he's talking to me. And I remember in this moment, I said, I don't know what, I don't know how to do this. I don't know where, I don't know where I am. I don't, I can't do this. This, I mean, I remember going, that's right. I can't do this. And I was really like out of, I mean, I did not have a place to park in my brain, a, a way to comprehend that it was happening. And the only thing I could do was say, well, I've seen a thousand videos on this thing. And we know that this is like their track. So like, maybe it's just that he knows it or something like that. So we get to the top of this mountain and then I'm, I'm, I forgot to breathe and I was holding on to the side of my seat and it's like this little rail underneath there. And when I, when I got to the top of the hill, he looked at me, he's like, are you okay? And I, and I was like, oh yeah. And I, I took a deep breath and I let go of the seat and my hands, like just the tip of my fingers, never really like my grip let go, but my hand, the where my hand stayed in the shape of a hook and I was not prepared mentally to let go. And he goes, okay, we're going to head down this hill and we just go flying. I mean, hundred miles an hour across, no, about a hundred, maybe like 85 miles an hour down this like two mile road, just across all these berms. And again, I was, I was, I was out of my mind. I did not know what I, I, I still don't even know how to explain it. I was saying before the show, like, this is going to be the worst podcast in the world because it's going to be me just talking because I don't understand what happened. And it was, uh, it was amazing. But at the same time, I just, I don't know what happened. And when we got back to the camp, 
I was so overwhelmed and I found my friend Justin who rented the trucks with me. He's also our, he was our spotter at Technic and he was driving and, and he's a pilot and he never really gets overwhelmed. And we just looked at each other and stared for like the longest time. And we were like, what, what? Like all we do is crack jokes to each other. And we just sit there and stare at each other. And we're like, this is insane. He's just like, I don't even know what's happening right now. This is impossible. And so then we got to drive. That was my introduction to a trophy truck. It was pretty mind-bending. Let's back up here a little bit. You were talking about doing side-by-side, so you had something to do with your son. Uh, I know you and I talked about that for several months. Then you called me out of the blue and kind of told me that you were doing this. I would love to have done it if it hadn't come at the time that it had come at, but that's fine. I'm glad you were able to experience. But this is... This is something that these guys do. They build these trucks. This is Brenthel Industries, B-R-E-N-T-H-E-L. They've got a great website. I have in front of me the actual truck, maybe not the truck you were driving, but the spec, as you were saying, that, that you were in. So this is what they call their spec trophy truck. They're 6100 Gen 3. So they're claiming that it's under 5,000 pounds, 24 inches of front wheel travel, 30 inches of rear wheel travel. And I think you had mentioned the 525 horsepower LS3 engine. It is pretty incredible from the looks of it. Uh, these guys don't build anything that isn't top-notch, high-quality gear. You jump onto their website, you'll see that they have some other trucks that are for sale. One of the trucks that's for sale just won the Baja 1000. So this is not that truck, but that's the kind of caliber of vehicle that you So have. let me just uh, let me so, just jump in and mention something really quick. They have a, a version of it called a, a 3.4, which is not actually on their website yet. And it's their newest version of the chassis, which is what I drove. And I'm not sure if the spec is right, because I was told that the truck weighs 6,000 pounds and makes 575 horsepower, or 550 horsepower. Um, but we had the latest version of that truck, and they Could they said it was well 6,000. I'm just helping the listener. <laughs> Could very well be. Uh, and that may be with the spare tires and the this and the that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> For what it's worth, you have been accustomed to driving a car that is under 3,000 pounds. Uh, let, let's go back to, say, the 25-hour. The you drove the 25-hour several times in the Technic uh, E46 chassis, similar to what we run. Started life kind of as a spec E46, got turned into a full-blown endurance car. You had to have been competing sub-2800 would be my guess. At least that's where we land and under 225 horsepower. So this is double the horsepower, Let's say that it's double the weight, but double the fun. Oh, no, 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 no. I'd say, I, dude, there's like, it's so funny. Like, I could talk great lengths just about anything you want. Um, I think that question's great. You know, to sort of show my belly, I think my relationship with road racing, you know, it's 20 plus, it's 24 years or something like that, more than that. I think it had gone a little bit stale, and that's not IMSA's fault. It's not NASA's fault. It just, I think for myself, it had, you know, gotten stale. And I would say it's double the horsepower, double the fun. And I would say it is it was five times as fun if if I understood what happened to me. But I think for the listener, I want to make sure that we take into account, like, I'm not just some person who was out having a great time racing. I was happy racing. And then I just decided to get, you know, lose my focus and go race a trophy truck. I, I was a little like, what what is next? I need something to challenge me. Yeah. And uh, I did 147 miles of driving that day. 
Brindle was awesome, but they come with, they come, you know, it comes with mechanics and it comes with a driver or food and you just have to focus on having your own experience. And I, I learned a lot of driving tricks that are relevant. So I'll give you a, a really great example. When you're going, I think we got up to about 97 across the lake bed. When you're saying, well, we were just talking about Button Willow, right? You go through the bus stop. And what is that, 50 miles an hour? It's not that fast, but it feels pretty quick there because it's narrow, it's tight, it's bumpy, and there's not a lot of runoff. So it feels a lot faster than it is. When you go out to, say, like a California Speedway or, or a Daytona or something like that, you get out on these big banks and these 200-horsepower cars, you know, it's like you have a, a charcuterie plate there, you know what I mean? Like it feels, it feels slower than 50 miles an hour in the bus stop of Button Willow. That's what the lake bed feels like in these trucks because – to my understanding, it has 46 inches of travel, 46 inches of travel in the rear, and it had 32, what did it say on the website, 32 inches of travel in the front? Whichever spec I pulled up was like 20. No, it was, it, was way, it was well over 30. I remember the number being well over 30. I thought, man, that's close to a yard. Um, anyway, um, in the front of it. And so it just feels mundane you feel like you're going 100 miles an hour but it also feels just like whatever because this truck just does everything and if you watch these videos they have these two lane single tracks that these trucks just dig in when you're skipping across that the differentials are welded and so what ryan had made mention of it to me and ryan millen was an awesome awesome i just got so lucky because we were such a kind of we were such a fit and in motorsport that's like a huge portion of what your first experience is but he was explaining to me that you will look at the two tracks and you think your tire is in it. You look down at your tires and they're in it, but the bottom of the track could be at an angle. And so what will happen is you're not actually at the bottom of the track. And so if you watch these videos, you'll see these things, they like bounce around when they're going over the whoop-de-doos, like from like side to side, or they pop out of these tracks. And it's because the rear, you'll notice that the re you'll be counter-steering which also, by the way, it, like 80 miles an hour is not a big deal. Like, I don't know why, but it just is like it should be. You're going in a straight line and the rear end is starting to walk away from you. And you just go, oh, okay. Beep, beep. And what it does is the rear will find the bottom. And then you just make the suggestion to the front to get over in line with the, with the rear tires. You don't actually steer with the front. You kind of guide the rears and the rear just propels you because the, because the diff is locked. So what's super kind of takes a minute to uh, recalibrate your brain is in road racing, let's take uh, Sonoma, for example. When you're going through turn one and you go up the hill, you are focusing solely on where your inside tire is to the repair patches on the pavement and then where it comes up to that rumble strip, right? Like you're drawing this mental line of that inside wheel. Does, it does not apply. It goes completely in reverse for the, for the trophy truck. You only care about the outside tire up against that rut. And so what you do is you drive it a, a lot like a cup car where you brake straight, you turn the wheel, and then you just get on the gas and you get through the apex. And this is kind of the same way, except you do it to your outside tire. So you brake into the turn, and then once the tire hits that berm on the outside, which is all you're paying attention to, you just make the turn and the truck just demolishes everything in its path it doesn't even really matter what it was and so that was a that was really interesting because once you once you get that technique down there are different ways of getting through the turn they're kind of like 
diamonding off a double apex depending on the turn. But what I'll tell you is that when you slam on the brakes and this thing picks up the rear and drives nose into the ground, it looks like a dog that is sliding across hardwood floor. Like it just, it's got like its wheels like poke out almost. There's all these different driving techniques that come about. I think the only, from a driver perspective, the memory that's lingering the most for me is on that, let's call it a single track road, right? Like just one, two, two tire tracks. When you're going down that road, there was a moment where I realized you're going so fast, you're looking almost a mile away and you're, you stop caring about these bumps that are in front of you because they're, they look big. They are big. It kind of doesn't matter because by the time it gets to you, it's like, sure. Okay. Like whatever, we're just going over that. And then all of a sudden, what was kind of crazy was I realized that some of the bumps I was driving over were roads. And I realized that my vision, just like you do in a regular road racing car, like my vision started, like I I had tunnel vision, right? And I was just trying to find what was in front of me. It's very hard to read the moon. You know what I mean? There's no shadows. There's no, like, you don't know what this thing is. I, I, there was a section there where I got back to camp and, and I got out of the car. I was like, I got to take a piss I, I gotta go to the bathroom and so um i said uh let's go back to camp i'll get some water and we'll do that and we got out of the car and ryan goes it's kind of funny how you don't have to go to the bathroom anymore do you and i go thought about it i go no i don't have to go to the bathroom anymore he goes you have a little bit of fluid in your bladder and it's shaking around in there and it makes you feel like you have to go to the bathroom but then when you get out of the car everything settles down you don't have that urge anymore and so I was sitting there, I was like, oh, that's really funny. And I was like, hey, I want to know what it feels like when we jump. And this was later on in the afternoon when I was starting to pick up some pace. And and he said, oh, yeah, you know the berm in the in the sand dunes? And I said, yeah. He said, we're, most people jump. That's like a three-foot jump, four-foot jump. He's like, you're definitely jumping like five or six feet in the air. And I was like, are you serious? And I was like, the truck doesn't even tell you that it left the ground or it's landed. It just doesn't care about falling six feet. It's just, it's just mind blowing, dude. It's just a, sorry, I just keep talking because I don't know how to explain it. It's, no, it's perfect, man. I mean, I, I haven't been able to do it. I, you know, you know, I have a background in shifter carts and motorcycles and I try and tell everybody that when I, when I came into cars, um, I didn't think I was going to stay in cars because I lost everything that made me happy about the others the visceral nature of a shifter cart, a 125cc shifter cart, and the G-forces of acceleration, deceleration, and cornering, the the motorcycles and the proximity that I had to the ground and watching the asphalt buzzing by my face, you know, I, I felt alive in that moment. I got in the car and everything was so freaking slow. I've found peace and found happiness in pushing it to the limit and the wheel-to-wheel racing, and I've, I've gotten there, but... The other experiences outside of that, it's it's interesting to hear your take because you are such a capable road racer. You do have so much time behind the wheel. It's not that you're unfamiliar with horsepower. It's not that you're unfamiliar with uh, an ill handling car and a good handling car. You're intimately familiar with all of that. So no, you're the last thing that you are as a guy who just happened to you know, uh, write a check and go out and play around with a toy, you're somebody who can actually, uh, you know, 
assess what it was and and what it means and if that brings you a similar joy so it's well, we're, we're going back in october like we already we're already i think we're booking the, tw- right. the 26th well, and you gotta you gotta go we all agreed that we're going back because we actually want to understand what what it is like we still are having such a hard time there's a couple things i think i want to sort of distinguish for this next part one is again i think i'd hit a slump right where in in my road racing where i think i had done everything i could do and with a family and a job and a kid i couldn't i couldn't keep going to the next level so i was sort of stuck in this this rut and you and i have talked at great length it's like a therapy session for me but i remember when i got into one of your cars and i was like oh this has all of the equity that the car as you develop these cars like from the beginning right the specky 46 and then so on and so forth you know we built ours for endurance racing and all the lessons that we had learned your car had strung it together and gotten rid of all of the other bullshit when you get into a car Think of what I just said, where your car has all the things that you need and all the things that you don't need to, to be able to go do all of this racing. And the way this spec trophy truck works, they're very similar in parallel to that. I think the thing that what I when I was talking to Justin, who went, you know, he had a lot of he had some trouble, like where he was popping out of the ruts when he was on that on that single track or double track. Um, <laughs> the thing that I will admire and i i remember in my podcast i was asking cameron evans he's a pretty accomplished driver and i said you know what do you who do you think the best driver is he goes you never know man there's always a scenario where you know a ups driver could be this guy just we don't know who that person is right he was trying to duck the question but i think he does it he did it in an honest way i think there's a lot of endurance racing in off-road racing like the 25 hour is a fantastic place to go get your mind right because you really get into this mindset of I'm going in for three days and who knows if I brought enough tire or the right tire, like who actually knows. Right. And you have this mentality, but when I watch you guys race and I think back to this learning to drive in a spec environment uh, is the thing that I used the most. So I use this mentality that I have in the 25 hour of just like, I don't know, I'm going through this turn and it's muddy and it's raining and we're going to kind of see how this sorts out. Like, I think that's a style of driving as opposed to, you know, uh, I'm going into this turn and I know exactly what's going on. But I think the spec driving is the thing that I relied on the most when you're two or three wide in a turn and the, you can't shake these people and they can't shake you. You really have to drive with a discipline. And I think that's the part that I, if I had to say that I had a muscle that was tired in my brain, it's like being in that focus where you're two or three cars in just a cluster. And you're, if you've ever been in a race where you've changed leaders or, you know, if you're in a cluster between third and, fifth right let's just say third changes position the most amount of times like that level of focus for five hours was the thing that i think i used the most and i can almost promise you that i would not have been able to do that had i not spent so much time in that type of battle mentality that that spec that spec real spec racing not some bonsai you know i'm just going to see what happens if i can make up you know 20 feet 
in this one yeah. breaking zone. But real professional racing, whether you see it at an amateur level, you have professional drivers. That's the thing I use the most. And um, and I would compare, and I'm not trying to like toot your horn because I don't really want you to feel good about yourself, but the, yeah, <laughs> your Specky 46, as it pertains to that class of car, Brintle is that for spec trophy trucks. And um, and so there was a lot of similarities in that. It's the, just, they're all built kind of with the same familiar, familiar familiarity and it it's taking everything i have mentally as a driver to just be able to recall all of the way the bumps hit and it's weird how you feel this little looking thing but you can swallow an entire ditch um one of the things that was really interesting now that i'm again you're going to hear me interrupt myself a lot but like think of like a 90 degree turn right so you have at the face of the turn you have entry then you have mid and then you have corner out or exit right and so in the, in trophy truck it's very much the same way where you are slow in and fast out and you make your turn in and you start to roll on the gas now uh, again on e46s in your cars you might wait a second or something to that effect right but um this you get on the gas like immediately well basically what there's what what i understood after that was if you took this turn right on the map and you put and you flipped the the mid corner down into the ground so now it is a vertical turn you treat the dips exactly like you do a turn you just don't turn the wheel so you break up to it and the minute you get to the crest which would be corner entry the minute you get to the crest going down you just hit the gas and the truck lifts its front end and then it just drives over the turn essentially, which is really just a dip leaned up on its side vertically in the ground and it's or down into the ground. Um, and it's pretty impressive how your brain, at least mine can make that transition. You come up on this thing, you kind of don't know how deep it is. And then you just put the nose up in the air and it kind of just frogs over it and, um, carry over the top. Yeah. 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 It's just a, it's a, yeah, I hope this rambling. So Justin, <laughs> Justin's certainly, Justin's certainly not new to being behind the wheel, but he he uh, he didn't find the same comfort as quickly as you did in the or just in the ruts area. Or um, you know, Justin and I are really close, and we like to we like to verbally spar. Since the day Justin and I decided to be friends, I've never discounted his ability. So I don't actually know. I'm sure that we are putting up comparable times. I think if I had to go back. When I was talking to my coach, Ryan, he was saying that we were probably like 10 miles an hour off of a, you know, a race pace, not the leader's race pace, but like a, like the entry to race pace. He said, it's hard to gauge because you do something and then you would like slow down and you would literally gather your thoughts. And so it's hard to know, yeah. right. You know, right. but the thing I've learned about Justin with him being a pilot and a base jumper and a skydiver and like all these things is, and a rock climber is that he is very in touch with his coordination and speed. And so I would argue that like our graphs probably charted growth differently, but we probably you know, one's torque and one's horsepower, right? Like we probably crossed over at the end of the day, pretty darn close to each other. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, you know, the whole reason I'm not riding uh, road racing motorcycles anymore is because of all of the time that I spent when I was younger 
on dirt bikes and the time that I spent downhill mountain biking. So my father had taught me on dirt bikes that you're not down until you're down and throttle will probably fix it. Even when you think it won't, throttle might fix it. It's kind of the same thing that you're saying with the trophy trucks, right? That instead of rolling over these things and getting beat to death, a little bit of throttle at the right time carries the front end, let the suspension do the That's work. Right. Uh, when we were when we were riding dirt bikes and you start to lose the front end on a dirt bike, a little more throttle might stand it up or you're going to slide down anyway and then that's that. But odds are yeah. it's going to pick the front end up and stand you back up out of that corner and get you going. And, and I made that mistake on my motorcycle. Those instincts kicked in and I hung on way too long and uh, the motorcycle won. But... Whiskey throttle. I, um, I remember the moment when I realized it was the very end of my day. And here's another thing. This is another thing I took from my, from my going to the track and, and I, when I was with you out at Thunder Hill testing one of your cars, I got to a place where I was going along the back road and I was getting up over 80 miles an hour. And, and by the way, like they could bring me data. It says I was going 40. I'm pretty sure I was going 80. Like I saw 80 on my dashboard, but like they could say, no, no, that was moments ago. And like, we'd already traveled a mile. We got to this place where there's these huge bumps. And to this day, I'm still very much like, okay, like, here we go. And you just floor it and the front end just picks up. And it was so smooth. It was incredible how smooth it was to, to, to your point. And what I did was yeah. when I got to that place, I said, I'm going to go do one more lap. And I kind of flushed everything that I'd learned, digested it or redigested it. And then I said, I'm done. I'm out. Like I've got, I've got what I've needed to do. And I, and we always joke in the paddock. It's like, it's always that one last run that you, you know, roll it or it catches on fire or you put a tire off and then the next thing you know, you're like bent around a water tank. And so I definitely was like, I'm out. I gotta go. I gotta go process what I've done. So I finished yeah. early. And, um, and what's weird is my body felt less fatigued than it did in the road cars my neck hurt because i was so terrified that i was like flinching and holding tight it was like i was violated but i liked it and so it was just super but that's what it was like i mean i don't actually think i think that's pretty it's pretty accurate the um the one thing that was crazy was i'm way more fatigued in the car like, because you carry more g's for longer periods of time and the trophy truck, okay. you take shocks of much higher G. And so my neck was tired because I was flinching. <laughs> but um, I have, I, I don't know if you can see it, like, I don't know if they're still there, but I had bruises on my collarbones from my Hans device pushing me down. And now I understand why off-road guys wear the stuff that goes around your ribs and I should be getting, like, a kidney brace and some things. And um, so... It's a it's a very different sport, but I think what's interesting about it is you take what you learn from on road racing and you learn to apply that skill set in a different way. So it's still the same skill set of braking and jumping and turning and doing all these different things, but you just have a different way of applying it and i think you know you used to build homes right so there's lots of ways to cut wood and it depends on the environment and it depends on what you're fastening to it and, and all those different things like it's kind of the same thing you're still cutting wood you still know how to cut wood 
Um, sure. And it's just a, like I said, it's, we've been talking for a good 40 minutes and I don't even know if I've said anything that's kind of a relevance that would make anybody understand. I, I try to tell it like when I had my son, I realized that when you try to talk to someone else that doesn't have kids about kids, you really don't want to talk to them because <laughs> you're like, you don't understand. Like you just can't understand what I'm feeling. And right. then you find yourself, you know, when it comes time to talking about kids with other parents, you're like, I don't need to talk about it because I know you have kids and I know, you know what it's like. <laughs> That's a trophy truck. <laughs> it's like you either driven one or you haven't. And, um, I have a different opinion so, of, of side by sides. I was asking about how do I, how does what I learned today? How does that apply to like a side by side or a buggy or, you know, anything. And what's interesting about it is because it's got a rear, and again, you're, this is why they translate to a car in a lot of ways, but it's got a, it's got a rear solid axle, independent front, and it's got a sway bar in the rear. So it keeps the rear of the car planted as a side-by-side -side is independent suspension and may or may not have a sway bar and all these different. So the way you read the terrain is very different. And what I mean by read the terrain, you're looking at least I did, you're looking at the way water flows. So if you're looking at, if you're going across the, uh, a hillside, right, that you're going to look at the way water is building these little streams into the ground because it's going to tell you which way the ruts are facing and how you're going to hit them. And then if you go across that and up a mountain, all of a sudden the ruts go with you instead of against you, right? Or, or So there's you read that terrain in a side-by-side -side or a buggy and a trophy truck, that's three different reads. It's three different driving styles. They're just very different. And then if you go around and you do another lap and you come back, it's different because Justin, because right. Justin's gone through and torn all that up. And then the, you know, maybe yeah. he knocked the top off of this one, but dug in deeper on this next one. So you're like, oh, that hit was bigger. And I don't know why it's just this constant, um, like it's like, uh, like sand in water, how it twirls. It, it feels like that when yeah. you recall it. So. What was the what was the loop <clears throat> length? So you did a hundred and some odd miles, you said. But what was the loop? It's Twenty length? miles. And and to give you for listeners to go look up this stuff, if you look up King of the Hammers, which is another completely insane off road idea, um, they it's this mountain and um, it sits right in the the Bureau of Land Management down in Johnson Valley. And it's a, call it 800,000, uh, eight to a thousand uh, foot high rock mountain. And you go yeah. around the back of it and then there's like another little mountain behind it. So there's kind of a valley and you drive up that valley and then you kind of loop around and come back and you drive through, you drive through um, like a flat desert bed. There's a dune section that's all sandy. There's a rock section that looks literally like Mars. Um, there's there's a, almost every type of terrain within that 20 miles that we drove on. I have I have driven on probably 80-90% of the terrain that the desert has to offer right in that one little 20-mile loop. And I think yeah. we did, including my passenger ride, I think I did seven loops. And I was, man, they were making, they were laughing at me in the car. I could not stay awake. I was like literally falling asleep in the front seat, talking to people. Like they would go, Hey Peter, what do you think? And I'd be like, Oh, I'm awake. What'd you say? And I was just right. falling asleep. <laughs> it was amazing. It was, it was amazing. And I, it feels like also very familiar when you think about the paddock, the way we set up and the, all the equipment and the people, like everyone's wearing black pants and van shoes and like just the, you know, there's such a, I 
think there's a crossover there as well. I don't know what it is, but um, it has it has air conditioning, power seats, power steering, uh, automatic transmission, three speed Chevy trans, and what's also cool is the passenger. So in our sports cars, right, we have all the gauges facing the driver. Right. And all we have in front of us is a mile per hour and a direction that you're going. And that's it. And you're just looking for this dot to come across your screen and you're either going to turn left or right. The All yeah. the temp gauge, all the tax, like all that stuff, it's all over there with the passenger. I mean, with, in, the, in the navigator side. And that guy's just sitting yeah. there going like this way, crest over left. This one, go left. And he's just, you know, my comms were down. So I had a lot of a lot of hand sign language. Yeah, I mean, it's like weird because there's when they build these trucks, there's no point in giving the driver anything to do except look at a map every now and again because you're yeah. so focused on you're busy getting your ass kicked. But it's yeah, yeah, you're pretty busy pretty over there. So it's pretty amazing. I think yeah, I got a lot. I, I have so much more. To, I have so much more therapy to, to do on this. You have to come with us in October. <laughs> It's just insanity. Yeah. So again, back on their website here on the BrenthalIndustries.com website, tons of pictures of the insides of the trucks, the undersides of the trucks, all kinds of stuff, all quality builds. Like you said, a lot of parallels to the Legacy Motor Works stuff, uh, but in the off-road You just version, don't carry 165 um, gallons of fuel getting 2.1 miles to the gallon. <laughs> yeah, no, insanity. 97-gallon uh, gas tank or fuel tank on these things. So yeah, you're... You're insane in the in the amount of uh, fuel consumption. And they do it so in like definitely they do not. it in like two and a half minutes. They do like over a hundred gallons. Yeah, they do like a hundred gallons and over like in in like just under two minutes or something like that. Makes us look like a That's bunch crazy. of dudes. So, <laughs> yeah. No, so well, I mean, we do get two five gallon cans. So that's. Uh, <laughs> um, Okay, so I clicked on their arrive and drive. A uh, lot of words, but nothing for me to click here and actually show up and go do what you did. Is that essentially what you would do to contact us? Is that did Justin line this up? Did you I, line I, this up? I lined it up. And let me and to talk about my experience with Brinthal, um, they understand uh, exactly what it is that you need to for a barrier to entry of, of off-road racing. So there's there's a gentleman by the name of um, Ken Keck, K-E-N-K-E-C-K, uh, and it's Ken at Brinthal.com. And that's who you, that's who coordinates all of this for you. And to give you an idea, like for the Mint 400, I think they're taking nine trucks this year. You know, they have all these crews, they figured out where the redundancies go. When you go out there, they have phone calls with you to say, what helmet do you have? What gear do you have? What, what radio connectors do you have? They give you a sheet that says, this is where, you, you know, the address that you're going, the times that you run, like everything. I think there was one snag with my helmet because my connector and the one we, we looked at them, they looked like they worked, but they didn't. The, the adapters didn't work. So I ended up, they were like, here's a helmet, no problem. But they have all the connectors there. They have everything that you would need. I think if you have a Stilo, just count on it not working for some reason. That's my gut. I couldn't tell you. Something, something about the, the IMSA connectors and the off-road connectors. I've run into that previously, but I am um, um, not. It's, I don't think, I don't think you can commingle those, a lot of that stuff together yeah. but that's yeah. that's that's the experience you have you show up the trucks are sitting there waiting for you they have a they have a travel trailer out there with air conditioning and you go in and you change you go take a dump you can they 
they have this <laughs> this wild man pizza delivery dude who comes out in like an off-road truck and he comes ripping down the road and they've got everything set up so all you have to do is scare yourself and try to learn something and it's uh and it's um it's a very very cohesive program in my opinion I would never so take this they're on. Doing as, as a do-it-yourself person who likes to get involved, I was like, no way. So Yeah. So so then I get, and you mentioned earlier that they do this, like literally on their website here. If the, the arrive and drive. Say you don't want to buy a truck outright. They've got it all kind of spelled out on here. You don't want to buy a truck outright, but you want to do the Mint 400, the Baja 500, the Baja 1000. They will rent you a truck, support you a truck, do a full arrive and drive package for that. Yeah, they, so they do a thing where, so to just give you, to give the listeners some context, right? Our drive, how big do you think our drive axles are on those little BMWs? The drive axle? Like maybe three-quarter inch, inch thick? Yeah, call yeah. an inch. One so inch, these, yeah. these drive shafts inside the rear axle housing is something to the effect of like five inches thick. Yeah. And all of that stuff is custom machined. There is everything on this is bespoke to this. And you... I'll, I'm not lying when I tell you this. I'll bet you an upper control arm weighs 100 pounds. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah. So all that stuff gets made in-house on the, and they have it all computer designed. And I was asking them, I said, what is the fastest that you guys have ever built a truck with all the parts laying right here? And they said that, um, I can't remember if it was like Haley, Deegan, or somebody came through there and rented, was going to do a race and use one of their trucks. And they built it in 10 days from just stock, that like raw stock steel to at the track and it finished and it does great there's a video of them and where i looked a lot at who rents these trucks and i was looking at the way they welded their cages on their connections and stuff like that i'm kind of particular about that they do a really good job the owners crashed at like 120 and rolled like 11 times and like they raced the truck they they on those tires they put some suspension links on it they had all those spares what they didn't have they ran back to the shop they got they fixed and it's up and running. And so, and the, the cool thing about the way they design it, and I'm sure a lot of other people do this, but like I'm speaking to them specifically is they design their chassis with spaces and holes such that like there's drive shafts, just like hidden, like art in it. Like they mount up to it and it just drives around with the truck forever and for always in case it breaks or whatever. And there's like impacts and tools and all the stuff inside the cab that's all ratcheted down and it's like clicks they're like airplane hanger clips away and and um yeah like if we had blown an engine that day they would have just had another truck come out so we could finish the day like they're they they manufacture every single thing except for their wheels the shocks the engine and transmissions they do all their own wiring harnesses they do everything and they have everything in stock so their whole model is we're either going to rent you a truck and do whatever or we're going to sell you a truck and then you can choose to have us support it or you can go support it but either way we have all the parts like you say i need this we'll have them overnighted to you like done click and you're on it's very bimmer world-ish if you will um in that the way they support that and so um yeah it's a it's a pretty impressive facility i think it's like a hundred and twenty thousand square feet that they have now or something it's huge and there's trucks just freaking all over the place there's just you can't you couldn't get away from one there's like it's it's pretty incredible how many um trucks they support there too 
So they know exactly where they're going. That's awesome. All right, man. So you're going to do it once again in October. You're going to try and twist my arm one more time to get me out. In I'm not going to try. I'm just going to do Lauren. it. I'm just going to be like, talk, this is... Talk to Lauren about that. You know, it's my, my birthday is in November. That's the big one. That's my 50th this year. So it should be sort of a no-brainer. Okay. Well, then you're going. There you go. She'll listen to the podcast. This is yeah. my ask. Because and... I, I don't want to go to F1. I'd rather watch that on TV. So I'm not doing that. That's that's my birthday weekend. And that was a I'm worried. I'd rather go do that. Right. Like I'm done building things. I don't ever want to build a car ever again in my life. But yet you're just natural resting position is to just really do good builds like this. And I could see you going down a rabbit hole trying to figure out how to pay attention to yeah. the kids. I'm telling you, it's a kooky oh. thing. Well, I see the price tag on these, though. So it's a little out of touch for a little while. But it's <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. I was asking how much the uh, if we were to go get like a Robbie Gordon 1100 horsepower like carbon fiber body and all this other stuff and i was like how much is that and he did he just didn't flinch he didn't take a second to question like think about it he was like nine hundred eighty thousand dollars, and i was like dude yeah yeah the same way that i don't really flinch about my price tags he knows exactly what he's got into it and it's worth every penny of that and he's oh there's a sell it for there's a, a ton is so similar like they have chassis waiting to go just like you have your cars yet like there's so many parallels between legacy and brinthold just in the way they operate if you yeah. took all the skinning off of it it's a it's a great testament to you i don't again i don't want to like tell you that you're great or make you feel good about no, yourself I, that's not my goal here but yeah no of course of course not <laughs> it's a zero-sum game right like i if i can't feel better i need to make <laughs> you feel worse so yeah exactly yeah. you're going dude you're gonna go well, cool. and i appreciate you having me on the podcast i think you're doing great job you just jumped in and you're you're having some great conversations with people. So I'm stoked that you're doing this. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. It means a lot coming from you. I mean, you had a lot of a lot of hours over the air, so I appreciate that. And I hope our listeners are appreciating the, the content and the variety and the, the takes coming from different folks. I'm trying to make sure that it's uh, well-rounded and not super biased. But um, can, I, can we can I we digress that... for just like a quick second? Because I, I got, I'm going sure. full. By the way, if you have ADD, go drive one of these trucks. You won't have it when you get out. You'll be like, I'm so focused. Um, the, <laughs> the, the legacy wheels that you have now, what was your yes. favorite color? The pink or what was it bronze color? Well, it's the pink because the pink, the pink with the purple car. You're right. I mean, it's loud. It's awesome. It's loud. So I didn't get a chance to run them this last weekend down at Willow. I did not take my car to Willow. Our daughter had her college graduation party on Sunday. So I, I treated it just like a pure work weekend with no no seat time for myself. That way I didn't feel sad about going. It was just pure business. I went down, took care of customers, came back, took care of my daughter, went back down. So I flew up on Sunday, let, left Phil with the, the uh, trailer and cars and all of that stuff. And so I flew back down on Monday to pick up the truck trailer and the car that Phil had left behind. So the, the wheels will not be on the car until the June event at Button Willow. But there has been a couple of sneak peeks on there and everybody's super excited about them. We definitely appreciate Technic for the development behind that. Zach George would like to return his Technic wheels in favor of the Legacy wheels. I'll have him talk to you about that directly. Yeah, well, screw Zach George. He's out. There's no refunding policy here. In fact, he's, in fact he got two more wheels and he owes me money for them. He didn't even order them. Which is how, that's, how we, <laughs> that's how we sell wheels around here. We just send you a bill and some wheels. And you know what else, too? We still got to talk about... Uh, 
the California Cup because I want to come down and support you guys and maybe run a car with you guys. So we got to talk about that. Sounds good. That's in October, man. You're going to have a busy October. Go broke that month. Awesome. All right, man. We'll talk, all right, we'll, we'll talk well, soon. I appreciate it, man. All righty. I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Race Car Junkies podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. This episode is brought to you by Leap Consulting Solutions and Legacy Motorworks.